Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning, welcome to another week of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week I'm joined excuse me, by Georgie Willems, the founder and CEO of Catch International, uh, a communications agency set up initially in London in 2010 before establishing itself as one of the leading PR agencies in Dubai with clients such as Tag Heuer, Imar, Canon, W Hotels, Kareem, Mihiki, to name a few. Expansion followed to Saudi Arabia and now London again with more than 16 years of invaluable experience Georgie coordinates a wide range of digital and traditional communication services spanning a whole range, including public relations, social media, creative design, branding, digital marketing, conceptual development, sponsorship management, and celebrity bookings. <laughs> whole host of services, Georgie. Yeah, so on the, today's show, we'll be talking about the highs and lows of business, why communication is so vital. Uh, and what the current trends are focusing on branding and experience-driven packaging. Good morning. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Sorry, that was a, a long intro, but I think a lot of experience. That was a long intro. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining. Uh, for those who are listening and, and can't see the video, Georgie has a lovely garden in her background, is in, on the outskirts of London with fa more favorable weather than, than Dubai at the moment. So I'm a little bit envious. Well, it is and it isn't. It's been raining for about three weeks, but yesterday the sun did come out and uh, hopefully it will come out again today. So let's see what happens. Very good. So but you... I've been stuck in the office. I'm basically in the office from about seven o'clock in the morning until about seven o'clock at night because of the time difference and the different countries we work with. Um, but no, it's okay. It's, it's still it's still lovely to be here. I'm missing Dubai though. Not a lot. Uh, so have you found the... You know, Zoom office and home actually suits the kind of the fact that you've got offices in different countries and different time zones and in terms of coordination right now. I think one of the amazing things that's happened is everyone has embraced uh, video calling, which, to be honest, has made my life a lot easier because um, when, when you're because I, I fly around quite a lot, it just means that, you know, clients are happy to have a video call. So there'll be, there'll be times where, I don't know, I'm supposed to be in a meeting in London and it's, um, my agenda is to be back in Dubai. My meeting in London got moved. And actually now they would embrace having a video call. So things don't have to get moved around. Flights don't have to get moved around. And actually, I think it's becoming a norm, isn't it? I think we all like pressing leave meeting button occasionally. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting behavioral shift, really, isn't it? You know, even physical meetings obviously won't go away and they're important, but the video part, there was all, it was always either a physical meeting or a call or an email. It wasn't necessarily, you know, a one-on-one -on -one was rarely video. Maybe a few people was on conference. So do you hope and do you think that will continue? Yeah, I do. Well, we, we just um, we just launched something really cool. So we launched um, a project called Cook Along TV to raise money for all those charities out there that are really, really struggling. And we've got celebrities doing a cook along on a, on a Zoom call. So basically you go in, you, you, you donate some money and basically uh, you win a chance to cook along with some really interesting people. So we've got one with like 
Sally Phillips and Ronnie um, and Cora tonight. And ah. honestly, it's working really well. And people are just so excited to be like cooking along with a celebrity. And and actually, if you turn around to, I don't know, my mom at the age of 65 and said, you're going to do a cook along with a celebrity. She'd be like, I don't understand what Zoom is, <laughs> let alone you know, a cook along. And now she's like, this is an amazing yeah. idea. So I think we've really seen a lot of people kind of really change and, and adapt to that. And Zoom now is becoming a really strong platform for people for business. So look at Pilates instructors who are now doing Pilates lessons online. I've done so many digital conferences and you name it over Zoom in the last in the last what, four months. It's been crazy. And then actually for meetings, I think it's a really good piece of software and it's a great way to kind of showcase your presentations um, it's a really good way to catch up with teams. We've been doing things like having uh, quizzes. We've had to come up with some really interesting things with the team just to kind of keep everyone interested on our little team catch-up calls. Yeah. But actually, it's also really nice just to like, um, you know, just all check in. And actually, what's really nice about Zoom is London and Dubai, and soon to be a new location, which I'll tell you about in a minute, um, is we're all able to really connect and stay in touch with each other more so than we ever were before. Before it was an email saying, hi from London and you know, hi from Dubai, but now the Dubai and London team are really working together, which is just brilliant. So, so I'm really happy with that. Amazing, uh, lots of good examples. I think one of the kind of things that I picked up on there is that uh, you re you're using video in an in innovative way. You're not being hampered by the fact you can't be at physical locations whether for your clients and you're being quite creative with it, that that cook along is a is a great example. Uh, so it's not just for internal video calls or instead of meetings, you're using it for your business as well. Yeah, de definitely. And and also, I don't know. Um, got a client who's a life coach and she's using Zoom calls to stay in touch with her clients because her clients still don't feel safe coming to sit in her studio. Um, so I just think Zoom has really helped a lot of people adapt their business to keep going because obviously we've all been through one hell of a four months and um, and I think you can hear in my voice that, you know, it's been it's been fun. Um, <laughs> but, but literally, I think one thing that has happened is, and, you know, Zoom is, Zoom is set to make a lot of money this year, um, but I think it's really helped people to adapt their business. Because I think if you, if you couldn't client service and you couldn't have that face to face with your client, you couldn't still build that that element in. I think you would have a big problem kind of trying to keep the client happy as well. Um, and also, as I said, like it, it's provided that emotional connection. Like when we've all been in lockdown, we've been able to miss our families at least have that kind of connection too. Yeah. So amazing. So just going, touching on something I mentioned earlier, the story of, of Catch International, um, the marketing service industry is known to many, and it's notoriously difficult, it's draining, uh, it's got its highs and lows, it's always you're always on your feet, you're always on your toes. This is a, an amazing story, largely built out of Dubai over the last 10 years. Um, I remember I was in London in 2010. And I remember what it was like, I remember how how uh, how established agencies were, how almost intimidating the industry was, especially the big PR agencies. How did you start out and how have you stuck with it? Oh, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So um, I just one day was like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to start my own agency. I'm basically, I was working for somebody and I was, I was running the whole department, my whole team. 
doing it all. And I remember saying to my boss, like, I need another person. Like, I can't cope. I've not had any sleep. And there was kind of, there was no empathy to the fact that, you know, we were making that business run. So it's been a big lesson for me, which is really appreciate your staff. Um, and, and, and literally, so I decided to open, open my agency. And uh, my name, my name is actually named after my sister who passed away. So her name was Catherine. Her nickname was Catch. Nice. Um, even when she organised her funeral, it was like a wedding. Uh, so it was like bright pink. So I put pink in the logo, and um, and I, I just wanted to turn a negative into a positive. I never thought I'd be celebrating my tenth year anniversary this on the thirty first of August, her birthday. Randomly, when we set up the company, the certificate came through on her birthday as well. So it just felt like this is just amazing, and it just yeah, as I said, it just turned such a negative into a positive with my family as well. Like we suddenly started calling her a nickname again, and it's just it's just turned into a really lovely thing. My mum came in and did the accounts when we had the office in London. Like the first day she used to come up and we'd have coffee. My sister came and worked for the agency. So it became a really lovely thing. Um, I never, yeah, I never thought it was going to get as big as it did. Uh, I literally landed a, a couple of clients. I landed Barclays Wealth and off I went to Russia and I launched, um, I worked with them to launch their wealth side in, in Russia because their retail side was coming out. Right. Um, I worked with Formula One, so Renault Lotus, Renault Lotus, and I was working with them on their experiential events after their races. And that kind of set my journey. I'm going to do and f1 was actually the key to probably how i ended up in dubai so i had one venue that i looked after in london that decided to open in dubai and and basically my my, my client said would you go over there and you know just make sure it's on brand and, and we're doing the right thing and i got there and uh yeah i just felt I felt I think London as an agency, they're, they're really they were really different ten years ago to obviously what what Dubai does now. But ten years ago, if you found an agency, I just didn't feel like it had the oomph and 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 the the, the thought behind it that it does now. Like I'm not saying that at all. I think Dubai has completely grown masses, but I just saw a gap, and 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 so off we went and we launched Catch Dubai. So we had Catch London, Catch Dubai. I was on a plane all the time. Um, and then about four years ago, my sister decided to have a baby and she was running London. And we just decided to go remote. And actually it kind of, it just kind of went on pause for a bit. And then slowly we, we literally had clients going, come back, come back, come back. So we, we opened London again. And uh, we just, we launched, our first project was uh, Lewis Hamilton's Neat Burger. So wow. I've been working with that team now for over almost a year. We're going to be almost a year. Um, and it's been an, it's been an amazing project as well. Um, and it, yeah, it's just been, it's been a complete journey. And we've, we've gone from PR, social media, events, design. We, we love being creative. We've designed some amazing brands um, with, with some great ID designers from, um, from V, uh, to Eve Dubai, to Treehouse, we've just done Hanami. So we've had an, an absolutely um, amazing time with, with really kind of taking our agency from that kind of PR level to everything from, you know, designing your concepts, coming through to your creative ideas and just making sure we market it the right way. Wow, what a story. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I keep it short enough. No, it's fascinating. So, but so in terms of how it's grown over Dubai, uh, what are the what were the kind of the milestones or 
what did you think? Okay, now it's more than me. Now I need to go to this level. Um, was it based on key clients and, and how did the culture and the team kind of develop on the back of that as well as the services? So it's, it's quite amazing, actually. Um, I gave um, the people who are working with me, some of them have been with me for nine years. Wow. Um, and actually, I've given them partnership in the company because they absolutely deserve it. So we have no investor, no, uh, we have no um, like partner, big, big machine behind us. It is just us. And we are a family, 100%. And I would say that was the milestone. The moment I realized that I had the absolute right team around me and you know I the, the biggest things was the strengths so when, when I when you hire someone you know you might put them in this position and then you suddenly go oh, hang on a second they're gonna be so much better over there and they are and they just excel and when you see it when you see one of your staff members just excel and then you put them on the right account and then that account as well makes them grow even further i think that's the turning point of your company mm. because it's ultimately about your people and and you know how much you care about them and also what they can do for the right client so you know it's not every single team member fits with the right client fitting with the right client is so important um but also like bringing out their passion and you know making them still happy and energizing them and and i think i think that's one of the biggest things is we've become this really nice close-knit community and you know everybody who knows catch knows my partners uh fanny trisha and ben and you know we've become this really strong unit and i think that was definitely the turning point. It, it, we were a very, very um, little fish in a huge pond when we came over, but we did come over with a difference. We came over with a really strong London attitude. Like you would come into the office and, you know, we've got pink phone boxes all over the wall because it had to be pink. Um, and you know, we did we did a Pac-Man party when we launched. And, you know, it, we, just, we just really tried to go a little bit out of the box. We didn't want to be seen... Um, too luxury. We didn't want to be seen, you know, um, too, too cliche. We wanted to, we wanted to be a little bit creative and scare you a bit actually with with taking your brand to that next level and making sure it had that impact on your audience. So that 100% was a turning point. Amazing. I like how you answered it as well about you know defining your own identity as a company and a culture, and because so many times service or marketing companies are defined by the industry or by what's around them. And I think that's, you know, you can tell that, that, that your agency is something that's kind of, that you've carved out a stamp for it yourself and uh, the identity. So it's interesting. And then secondly, around uh, the, the brand and the oomph and the kind of London style or the, the, the design and all that sort of thing. I, th I think that's probably how the other services evolved, was it? You know, mm -hmm. in terms of moving into design and packaging and social media and, and everything I else. Have to, you have to in Dubai, and if, when you first, when we first came over what, uh, nine years ago, literally we got there and everyone was like, "Oh, you've got to work with this agency and this agency," and there was so many components, and actually it didn't work because you know you didn't have that marketing manager sitting on all the agencies, and we kind of came the marketing manager that was sitting on all the agencies, which doesn't work. Another agency telling another agency what to do, mm. and you know you need quick turnarounds and things like that. So it it, it just kind of evolved and developed in to um 
all right, we, we need a design department, we need an events department, and, and social was really starting to come up. I remember the days when we used to just post, you know, there was no, there was not a huge amount of strategy behind it because social was just that add-on. And now look at us, like we're all about social and, and advanced digital, and now you've got native ads and all these things coming through. And, uh, you know, back in the day, it was just kind of add-on. So, then, then we started to see uh, social media develop, and then we were like, well, we need really creative posts in order to get the engagement. So they were like, right, design team, let's start making really cool creative content. And then we were like, oh, you know, well, we need better photography, we need better videography. So then suddenly we added video and photography, and now we're like, oh, now we need animation. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's basically just been a gradual thing. It, and, and what's brilliant is Dubai has become the headquarters of the, of the whole thing because we have got... You know, our, our design team, our video team, our photography team, they're all crammed in one office. Um, but they're, they're all, they all know each other. <clears throat> Sorry, they all talk to each other. And that's what's great. So the social team will say, I need this content. I'm having an issue with this campaign. And they all sit in a meeting room and have a conversation about it and come out with something really cool. So I think it, it was a gradual thing, but it's definitely needed now. And I think you'll see more and more of that. So sure. in terms of services and kind of evolving with how the industry and digital and social changes, but then in terms of clients, how do you position yourself? You know, I listed out some kind of luxury clients, uh, listed companies, F&B, direct independence groups. All, it seems to be <laughs> such a kind of wide spectrum um, and everyone has different budgets. Everyone has a different marketing calendar. Everyone has a different location. How do you kind of uh, position yourself? So we never, I never wanted to be one of those agencies. I made a decision about that in London 10 years ago. I was like, I don't just want to be one agency. And I'm so glad I wasn't because I wouldn't have worked on Barclays Wealth to, you know, F1 to, we, we had nightclubs, we had membership clubs. It, it was crazy. Um, I think as long as you take the same approach in the sense of, make an impact you know we our, our tagline is create communicate and that is totally what we live and, and and sleep by it's it's let's create something really really special and then let's communicate it to the max so i don't think it matters what it is as long as you understand who your audience is you understand what your your detail is so for instance with tag tag came on board with us because of the fact that they were launching their smart connected watch they didn't need just luxury they needed someone to really embrace the change that they were going through and how to put that out to the market as well so we did things like we came up with um, a calligraphy print on the watch because we wanted to localize the content for for the middle east so um, they had on the connected watch your own watch faces and they had ambassadors for it so we created an ambassador that was actually very specific for the middle east mm. so we localized that story and and yeah i think i think it doesn't matter as long as you use that same creative approach and then you apply it across different channels to make it work i think that's the most important thing um but we have we have definitely had a variety of clients you know we, we look after live nation um we went to Saudi with Live Nation, like Live Nation basically pulled us into Saudi, which was brilliant. And we were the first agency to, to launch an entertainment show in Saudi before all of the rest of it happened. And it was, it was a scary time. It was like, how do we do this? We sent our first press release out and a journalist came back and go, uh, I'm not writing about this. <laughs> There's no way we're touching this. And we had to adapt. So we were like, okay, let's get a specialist journalist in. 
from Saudi to talk about messaging, work out how we actually get that messaging correct, and then take it back out to market. So as long as you've always got that same approach, which is we need to get results, how are we going to get that message out to that audience in the right way, in an impactful way, then I don't think it matters what area you do. And actually, I'm not a believer that you should have six different car companies mm. because you're talking to the same journalist. So how do you choose which one you give them? I don't think that's fair. Like I would never take on three charities of the same of the same area because it, it just wouldn't be fair to, to, to put it in, into the magazine. Restaurants are slightly different because of the fact that you've got time spans, you've got the launch, then you've got actually the opening, and then you've got all the different listings. And actually, because we work across a lot of different restaurants, we make sure, you know, their ladies' nights don't sit on the same day. They are competing. They have got different packages. They have got different price points. So I think it actually all works quite well by having this variety of clients. And one thing we always do is we always cross uh, promote our clients so for instance we look after rogue hotels and we have comic-con we put them together nice. which means it maximizes their audience it gives them some great content yeah. and yeah. actually is a great partnership same as we did world art dubai and we did rogue hotels and they still work together now after yeah. i think it's two three years so i think it's really important to actually use that element like a cooker on tv at the moment we're we're using things like we've got um, a company with pots and pans and we've got uh, celebrities we work with for book launches and we've, we're bringing in as much as we can into this show in order to, to maximize the noise we can make and also the content in order to make the experience better for the customer and for obviously in return that the money goes to charity so that kind of thing. Yeah no I think it's fascinating to hear that you can have different approaches say with conflict uh, on clients depending on different industries so and it's a refreshing thinking how uh, how would you describe the PR communications industry to an outsider if London is known then how, how what is how would you describe Dubai um a lot easier than london <laughs> a lot easier <laughs> uh, so many people who leave and come back to london and literally they're like oh my goodness do you know how hard this is i'm yeah. like yeah the judge don't even reply to you um so i think dubai what's really nice is 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 the quality of journalists out there are are, are brilliant and and you know there's been you can really see the adaptation for, from the last nine years to where we are now um the writing is so much better um you know they really do look at stories they they really get involved um but the thing is so the selling now has to be as strong as as, as what we do in the uk so you know you have to have a good concept um, it has to be written well, and um, your approach to the journalist needs to be in a really professional manner. You can't just be like, hi, I've got this idea. And you really have to build that relationship. So I think I think that makes a big difference. It, the only difference with, obviously, the Middle East and the UK, the UK has magazines that have anything from like a four-month time plan. So I'm, I'm like already going, oh, Christmas, what are we doing for Christmas? And luckily, I don't have to think about that yet. But I do kind of instill that in the team anyway. So I'm like, right, what are we doing for Ramadan? What are we doing for National Day? What are we doing for Breast Cancer Awareness Month? What are we doing for this? Because of the fact that we're already on, on Christmas and now talking about, you know, spring, summer and things like that. So I think that's the only, only thing where slowly it will adapt i think i think as 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 media gets stronger we'll see a lot more planning ahead definitely in in the middle east interesting but yeah 
you can be very last minute. So when you've got a nightclub and they're like, oh, we're bringing Jerry J-Lo in, you're like, that's fine. Because <laughs> someone will take the story still and it can go online. But I, I think we're seeing a lot of print media obviously moves online. Podcast is on the up, as you know. Um, and even things like um, just, just, just the way websites, you approach websites, the way you approach any kind of content at the moment, it is very different to obviously the traditional where you just open a magazine and read it. Interesting. So I think, yeah. I think integrated as well. Say again, sorry. It's integrated. I think I think PR is becoming very integrated. It's not just send a press release out, put it into a magazine. It's very much so. How do you give that 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 journalist that experience? And then also, once the journalist has written the article and you've got this fab article, how do you get that out to your consumer? Because not all your consumers are picking up that same magazine and reading it. So. Are you going to boost out a post? Are you going to um, put it in your newsletter? Like, how are you going to get people to know that Harper's Bazaar thinks this about you? Mm. Um, someone to know that you've won this award. So it's really taking that content as well and then repurposing it back out to your audience. Interesting. Yeah, the distribution part. I'll get back to some of those mediums and podcasts and we'll talk about influencers as well. But just on the kind of landscape, uh, on the kind of competitor landscape how do you approach winning new business um and do you think uh things have been commoditized a bit or do you think um what are the kind of trends and the landscape kind of maybe uh pre-covid so i think one of the things i do know uh, with the, so we're actually quite good friends with a lot of our competitors everyone stepped up over covid <clears throat> like they literally went to town on the creative the video the the in like the interactive elements of their presentation because obviously you're on a zoom call you can't stand and present and and do what you can do so you've got to let your presentation do the talking and i think that's that's definitely um what people have what, what people have done um I, I actually went out on uh, on Griff, so Global Restaurant Investment Forum did a, a kind of podcast and a lot of things that did happen when COVID started was everyone put their head down. There was a lot of that. And actually you can see that through the, the advertise, advertising buying. You can see that through how quiet the social media went. Um, but the irony was you had even more of an audience. So the ones I think that were the strongest was the ones that kept going. And actually we very, very much jumped on things so we had an art gallery and we're like what do we do with this art gallery so we turned it into an online competition inviting artists to um, showcase what unlock their spirit meant to them and offered them basically when covid is, is has calmed down uh, their own art space for for basically a whole week so you're offering a potential artist or not an art an up-and-coming artist their own space in in a london art gallery to do it and we did it as a worldwide competition so we did lots of boosting we boosted it out to singapore we boosted it out to europe we did dubai and so i think it was it, i think you've just got to literally either go okay this has happened let's go what are we going to do to make sure our client is okay and maximizing what they can do so a lot of our clients changed to delivery. How do we let people know that their, their food can be delivered? It was adapting their campaign to social, doing things like geofencing certain location, getting that campaign out so people could know, oh, I can go on to delivery and I can order this. Um, and so I think a lot of the agencies that have really absolutely come out and, and done an amazing job are the ones that have really, you know, have really embraced the current situation and work to it and we've seen some brilliant campaigns like you know nike repurposed their don't um 
just do it to don't do it for, for, for the black awareness campaign. You've got um, KFC that stopped working, that took everyone's content of homemade KFC food and did a brilliant campaign around it. Budweiser with WhatsApp, you know, they did footballs back, you know. Yeah. So it's if you can be creative, you can have an impact still. So one of my biggest things I just kept saying to everyone was stop putting your head down. Like people need to know you're coming back. And there was so much talk about people shutting down and not coming back. That yeah, I think I think uh, it was a real 50-50, But some people really went for it, and some people didn't. Interesting. For sure. Yeah, and I think there's there's been lots of kind of uh, meaningful communications on social profiles by brands, whether it's you know we're closed for a while or we're open again or we care about this cause-related activity. So I think I think the ones as you mentioned who embraced it and who were adaptive um, built a stronger connection with their audience. Definitely. I think I think that's the most important thing is, you know, we, we were all sitting at home in like March. I was like, right, I've got to sign up for a course. I've got to do this. And we had about 75 percent of our clients go on hold overnight. We were like, what has happened? <laughs> but I was literally like, I can't not do something. So it's really funny. Actually, I read a book called Green Brown and it's all about vulnerability and really letting yourself um, be honest with yourself. And that was one of the biggest things we went to our clients and said, OK, look, we understand you're in a situation. Mm. What do you want to do? Do you want to continue? Do you want to keep your message out there? Or do you want to pause? If you want to pause, then you're going to need to take your social in-house and you're going to need to still talk because otherwise people are going to think your brand's shut. So I think yeah. I think definitely adapting and, and just and just having that vulnerability is here to stay. I really I actually think it's really nice how everyone has had to strip back and really show their true selves and actually we all now know who is by our side. We all now know who are our real clients and who care about us and we care about them. Mm. And we also really understand what it's like to be in that horrible, vulnerable situation, but actually come out in, in a totally different way. And I, I feel like Catches has grown miles from what we've just been through. And don't get me wrong, we're all still going through it. And we're mm. all still like, what's going to happen next? But we all rallied together, and and you know it's been it's been a very interesting time. That's uh, thanks for sharing. It's good to hear a positive story, and yeah, it shows kind of resilience as well. But I think it's interesting for you and your clients that you know, and other people who have been on the show recently. Unless you really hibernate and you stop, and you shouldn't. Have, people advise not to do that. If you if you stand still, you die. Sort of mantra. Unless you did that during this time, no one went to zero. No one's business went to zero. It's all like 70, 80% drop, but then kind of slowly back. But I think it's interesting that, you know, across industry that, you know, you might find a way to do delivery or you might find a way to do this. But if you adapt, you can still survive a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's kind of what I think is it's where your fight is. I read an amazing quote last night, which was, you know, um, it, it's not a failure to leave something that doesn't work for you. Um, it actually makes you more successful. And that's the truth. And I think it's, you have to be realistic and you have to embrace your business and say, what can I do in this time? Or, or is this right for me now? Or, you know, you have to be really honest with yourself. But it, it's true. Like, if, if, you, if, if you've adapted, Added to something else and it's worked better during COVID, then maybe your business is here to stay like that. Mm. Um, and, and it's the same kind of attitude we've taken where, you know, we, we've seen 
We've seen certain people come into our company and, and leave our company client-wise, but we've actually really embraced who we really care about and, and, and where we want to take our clients next and what we want to do. And I think I think that that's that's the truth. Like you've just got to be really honest with yourself. Like we've all had someone in our lives where we're like, is this healthy for us? Yes or no? You know what? No, this isn't. It's time to go. Because otherwise you're going to spend half a day worrying about that side of things mm. when you could have done so much more. And I think that's what we've seen a lot of. We've seen a lot of people go, you know what? This business isn't working. I'm, I'm leaving it. And you know what? Well done for doing that because it takes a lot of guts to do it. But also this isn't working and it's not going to work in the current climate I'm going to do. So I've got this capability. I'm going to adapt my brand and I'm going to take it forward to, to this. And it's worked even better and well done for doing that. Mm. So I think, you know, I think that's the truth. Like we've seen a lot of things go. It's been really sad to, to keep opening a newspaper and go, oh no, that brand's gone. And then we've seen other brands come back in a totally different light. And over COVID, they've, you know, they've done different things that have made us go, okay, we're really impressed with how you've used mm. that, you know, CSR that you've done, the way you've made us feel about community. We actually care about your brand more so I think, yeah, COVID again, not that we don't want to talk too much about COVID, um, has really, really, um, it, it's, it's, it's done a complete change for everybody, for sure. Interesting. Just let's move off COVID, but it's great, great <laughs> stories though. And thanks for sharing all the examples. Because I think, you know, people will look at this timing, as you said, it's continuing, it's ongoing. So we will kind of continue to look at it. I mean, to kind of move on to communications as a, as a theory in, t in terms of, where it sits in in a business uh, business plan. Uh, where where do you think we are today? You mentioned integrated before. Uh, you mentioned kind of the different things that you do from concept to delivery of the product with the clients. Uh, is does is communications? Of course, it's evolved, and you're doing lots of services. But is PR and communications still under that sort of um, marketing? alongside advertising and media buying you know do you think there's an ideal sort of roster of agencies or um is it just impossible uh is it case by case it's to be honest it's case by case um i think a lot we have a lot of clients who come to us saying i want pr and then we'll say well hang on a second you haven't even got a website yet and like so if you get pr where are they going to go and also i've got to have a journalist to understand what your product is so it needs to be on a website and it needs to have a distribution point of view mm. um and then then it's like well actually because you're an online shop social media will be better for you so it is definitely case by case mm. i think there are still very traditional agencies out there that go out and put pr out there um our, our ultimate goal is to maximize engagement and and to make sure we get as many results as, as as we can for our client and so therefore we'll never say oh you've got to have pr um and we might say you know what you just need pr for that authority building or you just need that pr for for um for that awareness building in order to complement what's going on over here and I, and I think that that's again here to stay you know we're seeing um 
Google AdWords um, work really, really well. Uh, YouTube advertising, native ads, which I've gone into. Look at look at companies like Taboola and what they're doing at the moment and how they're yeah. they're just taking over the market. And I mean, I looked at their website like once, and they've advertised to me about four times already this morning. And it's <laughs> for me, it's only eight thirty eight in the morning. Probably, so, probably yeah. I'm loving Dubai as well. <laughs> <laughs> now it's gonna hear you all. Um, and yeah. you know. And it's funny, and we used to say this about Comic Con. So back in the day, when 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 Comic Con was um, was really really kind of coming into the market, you know, we, we it was so funny. We put an advert on on a radio, and we'd see a surge of tickets, and then we put the billboard up in the middle of the Shakeside Road, you know, the one that everyone always has, and we suddenly see a surge of tickets, and then we suddenly see a campaign in What's On and a campaign in Time Out, and we suddenly see a surge of tickets, and it was really interesting. And now we do a campaign. And it doesn't work like that. It's not like, like something will happen in a magazine. We're like, what, what, where, where's the ticket sales? What's happened there? Or, you know, we do we do a shout out on radio and where we would have seen this many tickets sell, we haven't. And it might be because it was pushed out in the wrong way or, or, or I don't know, like it just it just doesn't happen. So it's totally trial and error. Mm. And, and I think that's the most important thing. Like if you put a social media campaign out and it's not getting the reaction you're doing, pull down the content, repurpose the content, either make it animation, make it video, make it more creative, and then put it back up. Why is Taboola working? Because they're doing creative native ads. Mm. And, and basically, they, the campaign that they're sending to all of us at the moment is they're taking a static image and they're making it move and then they're merging it into a page. So when you click on it, you think it's even an article. Mm. So, you know, the fact that that company is coming in and is growing at, at the rate that they're growing just demonstrates People just, they don't want something popping up at them and constantly advertising it. Then we're all becoming really savvy to it as well. We're like, stop it now, you know. It's like, are you listening to my phone? How did you know you could advertise that at me? Um, and I think I think that's the thing. It's like, how do we get to our audience? How do we not annoy our audience? And how do we get our audience to buy and actually believe in our brand? And it, it comes from so many different aspects. And that's not just from PR anymore. It, 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 you, you've got to have that creative campaign. Like I always say, you know, what, what's, what's, what's our campaign for, 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 the, for the next two, three months, guys? Like what's our big selling for this client? And then how do we how do we approach it? So interesting. How do you educate the clients to try new things like podcasts or influencers? Data, data is so important. Data and case studies, like one of the biggest things I spend my life doing, and I probably annoy my kind of my staff so much. I constantly find stuff online and send it to them, go, look at this. And they're like, oh, hang on. I just look on our WhatsApp group because Georgia sent us another thing. But I, I love looking at, at campaigns and data. I'm always looking at data. Like literally yesterday, I was looking at, you know, what, what are the top platforms and um, you know what? What are, what are people buying, and why were people using social media? And a lot of it was out of boredom um, during during the times. And I think it's really important. So if someone's bored, what do you need to do when they're sitting looking at their social media? When you've got pretty much all of your audience sitting there looking at social media, you've got to give them something that entertains them. Mm. So it's it's really kind of understanding data, understanding all of those analytics, and then saying, okay, I've got a solution. This is what we need to do. Interesting. I'll jump around a bit in questions. Um, just something else that again kind of touched on earlier in the in the, the, the how you described how long some of your team are with you. Uh, in terms of talent, uh, how do you kind of pick uh, new hires uh, on a kind of a junior level? Is is there someone who 
is really passionate, that wants to be in the communications industry? Or do they have a media degree? Or is there a mix of people that you look for? A total mix. So um, one, one, of, one of our guys got recommended to us, had no social media experience, um, but is pretty much one of the most creative people I've met in social media wow. because he's crazy approach to it sometimes you have to like calm him down and teach him you know about being on brand but he really really does embrace it and that's the same we, i think it, when he came in we went to put him in another role and we started to see the, the 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 stroke of the talent that was coming through and i was like i think we need to move that person over there and actually one of the things we really tried to do over covid was actually train all of our team in different areas so that, that you know they could learn and if there's something that they want to look at and they want to jump on on over to the other side of the desk it's not like it's a huge office uh, over to the other side of the desk so if PR wanted to go over and try a little bit more about social media they could um but yeah I think I think you've just got to watch them and actually it's really sad sometimes you have someone come into your office and you know they're absolutely brilliant in the interview brilliant with the presentation and then they come in and it's really sad things so you have to know when to cut and 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 sad ask them to leave. Um, I have been fired a lot of times in my life, and I'm very grateful for it because I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, I know it's not something that people want to to go through, but sometimes if something doesn't fit and it's not right, it's better that you say straight away and and make that change because ultimately we are this massive family, and you know. Uh, everyone is welcome, but we're also hardworking and we want to do a good job. And if, if that, that element just does not fit in the office, it, there's no point trying to just hope it will mm. um, because it just drags the whole moment down. And because we're so close-knit, I think it's really important just to say, look, this isn't working. And, and there's been lots of times where we've done that and actually gone and found that other person a job. But yeah. I think you just have to be really realistic to that factor. I think it's interesting because you kind of described how you put people in different, you know, positions in the company. So you're not just saying, okay, I brought you in for this skill set. You're not good at it. Bye. You're kind of saying, well, you're talented. Let's try you here, here and here. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, I kind of found a lot recently, especially with what we do here, that um, when I was with uh, a bigger media agency uh, and different sides agencies, that if you had a role to do, and digitalist can be so difficult, if you had to do programmatic, or if you had to do different types of SEO, and you're not good in it, it becomes really stressful, because you're, you were hired for that position. But now you can, if you're independent enough, and if you or if you have permission with a big company, you can outsource that particular skill set. So you can kind of get help and you can go, well, this person's important, but that skill is one of the 50 million skills that they mightn't be an expert at um, and do you find there's a bit of kind of playing around with that definitely and i think what's amazing is there is and, and i think dubai i'd love to see dubai embrace it even more like there is obviously a facebook group and whatever but i think there needs to be such an amazing um platform where you can go and find those freelancers and those consultants that fit absolutely perfect for your project and i think everybody because everybody all over the world has had to let people go and whatever we all know there's so many amazing consultants out there now and i don't think a client is upset by you being honest and saying i'm putting this consultant on the project because this is what i need yeah um and i think that's the most important thing if you can't do it say it and be honest with your client mm. because 
at least then you can say, look, you know what, we can do all of this, but we can't do this bit. We can go and find you an agency that can do it, or we can bring a consultant in who can sit in our office and work on this with us. And I think the, the client actually really, really appreciates it more as well. And actually, when you bring in these consultants, some of the stuff you you you, you develop your idea into is unbelievable because you bring actually new and different approaches. Yeah. I've learned so much about advanced digital in the last four months because of the fact that we had this huge development project and we did have to bring some consultants in. And I mean, I've learned I've learned more than 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 I thought. I, I thought I knew quite a lot, which I didn't, it turns out. Um, but literally I've I've felt I feel like I know so much more for my client now as well, like how to maximize the noise that they need to make as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, interesting. And um, yeah, I think you alluded to it. But in the past, it used to be almost a shame thing if the agency said, oh, yeah, we do it in house and then they get a copywriter and they don't really admit that the copywriter is a freelance copywriter. But now it's kind of like, well, it's great. It's almost showing that you've got resources, your lateral thinking, you're bringing in the best. And I think you mentioned it a few times, but that sort of honesty and trust and with your staff and with your clients um, is important. Um, we're, we're flying through things. We have about 10 minutes left, so I just want to touch on a few other things. Um, talking about influencers, there's been a, a lot of commentary uh, recently and uh, on influencers in the comm space. Um, and sometimes I, I feel that it's, that it's a separate conversation to the influencer in the kind of marketing spend space in terms of the platforms, the percentages of global ad spend. Do you think that there's um, that there's a uh, you know firstly, what's your overall view of influences for your clients? But do you think that as the industry is growing, it's kind of um, the ecosystem is becoming fragmented, and there's you know views for influences for comms, but then there's views for influences as brand ambassadors and things like that. So I think. The, the obviously influencers have grown enormously and 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 i think it's it's starting to really um it's starting to really get organized so before you'd have an influencer promote one beauty product and the next day they promote another beauty product and you know that actually just counteracted all the work and the effort you've done i think there's a difference between influencers and content creators and i always say this so if you bring a content creator who is basically an influencer but creates the content for you you have a lot more posts, you have a lot more engagement, you get a lot more interaction. They also make it a lot more genuine for their pages, not just they're holding their own product out. Um, Micro-influencers are really important. Uh, we know as well um, that myself posting on a wall is going to get something like, I think it was six, uh, 60 to 70% more reaction from my friends and family because they trust me more than an influencer. However, I do think um, you can see some amazing results from them. I think there's some out there that really needs to look at what other people do and, and actually start to really practice that. And I think because of the way that's been handled, it's actually kind of made other people think that's what influencers are. Um, I just, I think, I, I find it really hard with influencers because um, unless you go, so there's a lot of very good agencies out there that you can go to and work with. And, you know, they, they contract, they do the campaign properly, they make sure you've got the right amount of posts. But I also feel like the price is getting driven higher and higher and higher. And there's still a little bit about me, which is 
I just, I'm not sure I, I'm happy paying that amount of money for one post. Mm. And if it gets me the results, then okay. But I, as I said, I would rather work with a content creator where I walk away with a lot more content that I can reuse mm. over a period of a year and, and, and keep pushing that person out as an ambassador, like what you were saying, rather than just a, a one-off post. That's interesting. Yeah, it's almost... It you know, the fact that they've got an audience is great, but really you're hiring them and their audience might be dependent on algorithms or platform. And that's that's kind of the media, the reach part of it is great, but the, actually the storytelling and the communications part and that, that message can live elsewhere and um, over time as well. Um, but yeah, you, you, you touched on kind of Taboola and other things, like do, are you seeing, are there... Um, are there evolution in software in, in things like that for your industry, for your space and for your agency? So there's, there's constantly new things coming out. Uh, so Instagram is, is, is creating things like more AI filters at the moment. So the elements that kind of TikTok has as a platform, Instagram are now building those elements in. I think everyone is constantly competing. Um, LinkedIn has now got stories like Facebook and Instagram has stories, you know. So more and more, we'll always see digital adapt like so um sound searching is is a big thing for this year so searching by by your voice instead so is your product searchable by voice uh, can you do it what what do you need to do podcasts are on the up mm. you know so i think learning what does it work we, we kind of moved not just as, a, as with a press release, but we actually started to do lots of things like moving animation and video. So if we had a fashion brand, we would push out a lookbook that moved so they could see our collection and what we had as an offer of cat showroom. We call it cat showroom. Um, with all the different brands that we had on offer that the journalists could call out for call out to their office for what they needed. So if they needed a pair of shoes or, or trousers or whatever, they could see what brands we had mm. through just that animation and video. So I think you've constantly got to adapt and, and do things differently, 100%. And um, everyone is, is an inventor of something digital. Like literally, as I said, you know, look how people have taken Zoom and turned it into a platform for them. So moving forward, I think there's a lot more stuff. There's so many analytic platforms now for you know data on what your competitors are doing what's a trending subject what's happening here so we're constantly using new platforms and and, and different things for sure interesting so speaking of the future uh, you you hinted earlier of a, a further expansion for catch uh can you uh reveal that now yeah so um like what you said as as catch as an agency um we do a lot of things, but it's very hard to get it across. So we moved our, we're moving our creative department into a company called um, Underdog. So we, we are the Underdog. Um, and we are also opening Catch Australia, wow. which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, so it's been it's been quite a journey um, and and it's really nice. And we're going to announce it properly on our 10th anniversary because we like to do things like that. Um, and they'll probably kill me for talking about Underdog. <laughs> the website's still being done. Um, but yeah, so, so the whole idea is basically um, to separate some elements off. So we've already got Catch Disruption, which is our advanced digital side of things where mm. we do our SEO, our website building, our app building. And then um, Underdog will be more the creative. We just kept going in for pictures and people were like, 
oh, you're a bit of an underdog, aren't you? So literally, like that, that's where it, okay. where it came from. But um, our creative department are amazing and we do so many logos and branding packages and things like that. But it's more when a client comes in for PR and then goes, oh, you do branding. So I really want uh, my partner and my creative director to really have a chance to, to really jump into the creative nice. side a little more. Yeah, it actually and comes, really a- excited. It comes across on your website and on your Instagram that you do a lot of logos and design and branding. And I think you mentioned uh, previously about, you know, why communications need to evolve into experience driven packaging. Can you explain that a bit more? So, yeah, so I wrote an article. Um, basically, when COVID was happening, one of the biggest things we've, we've lost is user generated content. So we would create so many Instagrammable venues. Remember, we used to say that all the time, Instagrammable venues. <laughs> The Aggies came into play and all of that. It was like, oh, very Instagrammable. So basically, um, people weren't going out and, and they're not getting on Instagram that much. Or you might get that one picture with the mask on and, and not really that kind of scenery and, and the way the venue had been developed. So when everyone was in lockdown, one of the biggest things was we had no user-generated content. So imagine we're having to do 25 posts and we've got nothing to regram, nothing to repost on stories. So I said to the clients, we need to create something on our packaging that's going to pull out that user-generated content. So we started working with our clients to put funny stickers, um, make the, the way you open the box a bit more fun, what happens when you finish the box, I hope you enjoyed that, you know, things like that, where people will snap and they'll share, and then we had more content. And, and, and you know, we're seeing such a surge in delivery. It's a no-brainer that you should have um really strong packaging that makes people laugh and interact and have fun and i think i think that's kind of what i was trying to say to people like stop putting your head down and also embrace the trend the trends at the moment is delivery let's get packaging that's going to make people snap share talk about oh my goodness you won't believe what arrived today it was so much fun it made me laugh all of all that kind of stuff <laughs> amazing that's a nice that, idea. That's yeah. Instagram delivery, Instagrammable delivery. Instagrammable delivery. <laughs> we must, we probably could shorten it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I always ask uh, about the Middle East as an emerging market. Uh, clearly, Catch International is living up to its name and very exciting with Australia expansion. What, how do you see, you've obviously worked in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, do you, do you envisage, further growth over the next 10 years within the Middle East? And how do you see this, this region? Well, I think what's really amazing is some of the brands we've developed or worked on are now that are homegrown in the Middle East. We're now taking them out internationally. Mm. So we're taking them to the UK, to Paris, to Germany, to America. And I think that's so amazing that a homegrown brand from the Middle East is now going out and actually then being established rather than we're taking a brand from the UK and we're bringing it over to Dubai. Look, this brand from London's just arrived. We're actually now really starting to create our own story. And I think that's amazing. And I think Saudi's got some fantastic homegrown brands. And we've really seen, you know, what, what they've done with um, their food festivals and how they're embracing that cuisine and those different products and, and the development of tourism. I think we're going to really start to see a lot more creativity come through, which is really exciting. And actually look at the brands that have, have, have lasted and are here to stay um, and, and survive what we've all gone through are the ones that have adapted again, been really, really creative and have got that passion point. 
Brilliant. So that's a strong, good note to finish on. A lot of consistent messaging there. Clearly from experienced yeah, PR. <laughs> <laughs> well trained. Thanks a lot, Georgie. Really nice to speak to you. Uh, and yeah, hopefully see you back in Dubai uh, soon. And best of luck with the 31st of August announcement. We'll keep it secret between us until then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Take care. very much. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.